Would you or anyone you know be interested in the best of what we've learned from over 350 expert interviews? Business expert interviews just like this one you're about to listen to. Plus, I'll share what we discovered spending $50,000 to go through over 100 years of business success research. Thousands of evidence-based scientific studies on what really works. Visit bestbusinesscoach.ca for more info on how, in 90 days or less, you can get eight better business habits or get three times your money back. That's 90 days to eight types of better business, fitness, and mindset habits. These will determine who survives and thrives in these unusual times and who doesn't. Visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. You'll discover our new business coaching and accountability program for business, fitness, and mindset all in one. You'll also learn how you can get over $11,336 in free bonuses for only $1. Go to bestbusinesscoach.ca for more info. That's bestbusinesscoach.ca, like Canada or California. See you there. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multi-millionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is 1-888-844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long-distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Antra Getzoff, founder and CEO of the International Alliance for Cryotherapy Professionals, also called CryoPros United, home of the 1 million people pain-free by the end of 2020 challenge. After 10-plus years selling cryotherapy equipment, she's become the focal point of her industry, leading over a 1,000 small business owners out of struggle and towards the business they dreamed of, plus a meaningful goal greater than themselves as individuals. I've asked her to join us here today so we can talk about her journey as well as her business model so we can be better leaders and smarter marketers. So, Antra, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I am great. Thank you, Daryl, for a great introduction. Yeah, no, it's well, we've had a couple of conversations. This is like our third call. I think we were supposed to have like two 15-minute calls, and they turned into hour-long calls each. And I just love I love your model. I love what you're about, and I just want to get into that. But before we get started, how did you get into business and sales and entre- marketing and entrepreneurship? Like, do, were your parents entrepreneurs? Do you come from an entrepreneurial family? No, I couldn't possibly because I am Latvian and I was born in uh, Soviet Union, Soviet Latvia. Latvia was uh, Soviet Republic, uh, always uh, considered to be west of uh, Soviet Union, but still Soviet Union. So I was 20, what, two years old uh, and already graduated from college when uh, that system fell apart. And as you probably know, in the Soviet Union, there was no business, there was no private property. There was nothing. I had two economies and uh, 
by college years, socialism, political economy, and capitalism, political economy. Mm. I don't want to go into it at all, but but it's crazy. So uh, long story short, basically, I was babysitting my little girls uh, after uh, graduating from college when it all happened and uh, that big monster fell apart. And wild, wild west of Latvia started or former Soviet Union and businesses started emerging because now it was allowed. And uh, when it came to me that uh, it's time to go back to work, I had a profession that was kind of obsolete or I was not interested in. And uh, I uh, made a very conscious decision. I want to be in business. At the age of 23, I started the all from scratch uh, for the first time, but not for the last time in my life. And I like jumped into uh, the first uh, more or less serious business venture emerging that I could find. So I have been in in uh, business since uh, 23, so for exactly 30 years now. And so uh, I have learned everything basically initially by doing and then by adding whatever I needed uh, from uh, smart people and, and good schools. Uh, so 10 years later, I went uh, back to school, graduated from an MBA program that was uh, Latvian, Canadian, American. And so, but that was 10 years later. Initially, it was just uh, get a change of environment and uh, being aware of it and, and knowing that uh, when something new is emerging, that's the best time to jump right in and to uh, start going full speed because uh, until other people will wake up, you will be far, far gone already. Mm. So what was your original business venture? Like what how did you get started and you know what was the what did you do well, in the beginning? So initially uh, I uh, was working for other people we could say running other people's businesses it took me 20 years until I uh, started a venture of my own. So the very first one was a company that was developing uh, like modern retail, if you will, uh, the very first company in Latvia that was introducing barcodes and uh, cash registers where uh, not every single number is typed in by uh, somebody's finger. So the first five, six years of my uh, career in business, uh, where I was commercial director of an emerging retail chain. And it was really initially we started was one store. Then when I uh, graduated from there, there were like six or seven already. And, and that was something very novelty in, uh, in that uh, type of environment and I learned a lot uh, <laughs> also my uh, first boss whom I admired and, and not at the same time uh, was killed literally shot so what? that was uh, he was shot yes why mine was that uh, just uh, tight, uh, you know local mafia if we can call it so no, but oh. But he was uh, he was hurt, uh, and uh, after he was uh, killed, uh, it was his venture. And he two brothers who took it over, but it was not going to be anywhere near uh, as visionary as the uh, other has uh, in mind. So I felt it was time for me to flee or or to stop 
for for another opportunity and uh, so I have been uh, going like this uh, ever since every five seven years I'm just built that way I need a new challenge I can't uh, stand routine I need that adrenaline that comes with starting new things and fighting for something and not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow and mm. it is uh, on one hand uh, it's it's really difficult on the other it it is the only thing that really keeps me going and right. as soon as i feel there is that routine when i go to bed and i know exactly what i'm going to do at eight o'clock tomorrow morning when i wake up that's not for me anymore so mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I don't want to take uh, much time about it, but uh, 30 years in business that I have spent, I uh, had, I believe, uh, four times seven, no, four times six uh, very interesting businesses, all in different fields, but because I am in uh, management, uh, I'm a MBA and, and my specialty is process management and uh, operations management. It doesn't really matter what industry I, I, I was in. It was about uh, picturing things and, and putting them in place and putting them in order and uh, having others follow those processes designed by me. So that was what I was doing until I uh, completely turned my life around and uh, decided to arrive in the United States. Mm. <laughs> so. So all this was pre-coming to America? That was pre-coming to America, yes. Uh, I came to America 2010, very late 2010, very end of December. So I have been here for not nine years yet, almost got nine. Got it, got it. Time of this recording, almost nine years. So, okay, so wow. So was there a big difference you could feel between you know doing business in your home country versus doing business in America? And what were they? How was it? Oh, <laughs> I would say everything. I have to start with culture. And if you picture where Latvia is, uh, it's a very kind of northeast of Europe. We associate ourselves more with Scandinavians than we do with uh, Eastern Europeans, although we are often, because of the accent, perceived as Russians. <laughs> that mm. hurt us, honestly, because of the history and, and everything. But there were so many differences as um, like Nordic people, we are very kind of introvert and we don't speak much. And we, if we do speak, we feel like we have to speak the truth. So it's much rougher way of communicating with people, if you will, than, than it's here. And uh, I remember uh, my very first two, three months uh, here in the United States after I landed was my crazy uh, dream of developing business that didn't exist and, and so taking America on the road towards uh, holistic wellness and healthier lifestyle I was flying literally flying because uh, it felt so sunny first of all I arrived in California and California climate and everything <laughs> <laughs> all the all the beauty around me and the ocean and the mountains and everything but then wherever I was going I was not used to like standing in line in a coffee shop and, and being approached by people uh, who were uh, willing to tell me that my shoes were perfect or my hair looked good or doesn't matter what, but there were those compliments on constant basis and smiling people and very friendly people. And when I already uh, started the business and joined the local chamber of commerce and started going to chamber of commerce meetings, I would 
talk to other business owners and they would say, oh my God, how exciting and I love it and I love you and I love your idea. And only then I realized that the next day or three days later, I uh, met them on the street and they didn't even realize (laughs) I've met before. I, I really, I learned it uh, kind of hard way. It was totally different mentality and approach to me. Uh, it, it, it took me quite a few months to realize what uh, is true and what is not and whom I could believe and whom I couldn't and what is fake and what is uh, mm. really coming from the bottom of one's heart. I must admit, though, that since I moved to Texas from California, I'm feeling much more uh, genuine generosity genuine, yeah. and kindness than I uh, ever experienced in California. California is a little snobbish and there are many beautiful people there and at the same time the uh, environment is is uh, very friendly yet uh, deep not, inside it's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. I was in San Diego a couple of years and I know exactly what you mean. It's, uh, it's very interesting, like when you first come, everyone is so warm and open-hearted and that, but then there's just like an underlying, I don't want to go there, but it's just an interesting, it's an interesting microcosm, that's for sure. That's definitely for sure. So, yeah, not my own country. If you go to Latvia and you uh, like enter a bus and you suddenly start looking at somebody and your eyes meet, that other person, I guarantee, will start looking away right away and there will be no exchange of smiles or, or compliments or anything. <laughs> I, I wish it was different. I wish it was changing faster than it is, but it's still like uh, two different worlds yeah 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 (laughs) so what were some of your greatest business challenges in coming to america and in getting up and running what were some of the more difficult things first thing was really uh, landing hard and and, then trying to figure out uh, what i was going to do because i must admit i was a little adventurous would be a very nice word for it So uh, (laughs) when I uh, said yes to my uh, adventure and coming to America, literally, I was 44 years old. I left everything behind uh, my apartment to my daughter, sold the car, took two suitcases of my favorite clothes and uh, landed in San Francisco without money or very little money, uh, without knowing a single person, without without knowing the market or the environment or anything. That was my first time to uh, go to live somewhere else outside my own country, although I had uh, traveled a lot, uh, been to almost 40 countries or so. I had never lived in a different country before. And uh, here I was saying yes to developing a new business from scratch, in a country where it doesn't exist, uh, arriving on tourist visa, <laughs> but not not really visa, but I, I didn't have yeah. a work permit. I was a like promised one, but I didn't have it uh, at that moment. And then, of course, if we talk about challenges, then after my first uh, euphoria was over and, and uh, California sun uh, was not exciting me too much anymore, it took probably a couple of weeks, I am built that way that I can't stand and uh, sitting still and waiting for something. I'm a person of action, so I had to start doing something. 
And I don't think people in America at least uh, realize how difficult it is for somebody who doesn't have a credit score, doesn't have a history, doesn't yeah. have a bank account, doesn't have uh, anything, to suddenly start like renting apartments, talking business, getting a business license. I don't honestly understand to this day how I did it, but... Uh, <laughs> Perseverance. In, in three weeks... Literally three weeks uh, from the moment when I uh, started working on it, I had an apartment to live, I had a business license, I had an office, I had a lease signed, and I had uh, arranged for equipment to come my way so that I could start uh, developing the business I was intending to develop. Excellent. And, and what was the and business? So that was, I came to the United States for uh, developing cryotherapy. Introducing cryotherapy to the U.S., so uh, the concept has been around for good 40 years, uh, although I was a user of uh, cryotherapy for my own health. Back home, I must admit that it was not really industry by any means. There were probably, I don't know, 25 uh, locations uh, in mainly Eastern Europe. So it was something very niche, something kind of cool, but known to one, two, three, four, five people uh, and and nothing else. And and then that American challenge came and uh, like, Cryotherapy was uh, the thing I said, okay, uh, that is something I believe myself. It has helped me uh, greatly. And uh, if there is one place in the world where uh, it may fly, well, it's the United States of America. Mm. It turned out to be right sometime down the road. But initially, it was almost uh, desperation how how yeah. to go about it, what to do, because wherever we went, uh, whomever I talked, of course, in California, everybody said, oh, wow, that's such an interesting idea. So you use what? Minus 200 degrees on a naked body? No, it can't be true. Mm-hmm. So, so these were kind of conversations that we were having, but I was very serious about developing uh, cryotherapy as a treatment for whole body to really uh, trick you into a new state of wellness. And uh, so cryotherapy has been my saying ever since I arrived in the United States. Before I came to the United States, it was my thing only as a user, never as a business. So uh, if you understand what I mean. So uh, there there was something I was aware of. uh, The story, how it all started, in fact, was that I had an American friend visiting whom I was taking care of for a day while his uh, hosting family was away. And there was a big festival in Riga, my hometown. We were walking around and uh, waiting for a big show to start. And and we ended up being like literally 100 yards away from my cryotherapy location. And because we had to wait, I told my American friend, you know, we have to wait anyway. Do you mind I go and take my cryotherapy treatment? Because I was having one every single day. Uh-huh. Uh, he said, no, I don't mind at all. But I want to know what it is. So I Brought him in like 250 pounds, uh, at least, no more. Big American man uh, introduced him to the lady uh, in charge who said he wanted the treatment. He got his treatment. 
tried it and he fell in love with it. And so after his visit, he went back home. I was doing my own stuff again and, and had already forgotten about it all. But his visit to that cryotherapy location was the inspiration for him to start talking about bringing cryotherapy to the United States. And when mm. he approached me first, I said, are you, are you crazy? Are you, are, what are we talking about? Uh, it's like 7,000 miles away. <laughs> but okay, I am open to new opportunities and, and uh, potentially going, uh, working in other countries. But uh, you couldn't really get farther away from home than I did. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. like you're on the other side of the planet. Oh, yes, exactly. Half of the globe. So, uh, but, but he was very insisting. And, and so I was like, no, but that's a good, such a great idea. And there's nothing like that in America. And, and you have to come over and you have to start this business, he said, with me. He never became a partner uh, at the end of the day. But, but that's uh, where it all started. And so uh, three months later, I was kind of tired of all that uh, brainwashing is so, okay if you want to do something why don't you check whether there is somebody uh, doing something in this field in the US already he found one guy and uh, dropped his phone number uh, to me by email and, and I called the guy and that was the moment when it actually started because so he found common language right away and then at that moment, I started believing that there must be something in there and maybe I'm not absolutely crazy after all. <laughs> maybe I should, should at least try. And for me, it is uh, always interesting. I am a perfectionist and I am very analytical and it takes me a long time to make a decision sometimes. But once I do it, I would not look back at all. So I have decided I'm going to do this so nobody's going to stop me. It's just like, you know, totally different person suddenly who is uh, so focused on the uh, new thing and, and so committed right. by you everything. Didn't have any, you didn't uh, seem to have any other options at this point, right? Like you just... you. you... When you do that uh, step, you make that step, take that step, then yes, absolutely, you don't have any other options. And that's exactly my case. I landed in the U.S. I had a plan in mind. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out right away and, and uh, didn't work out for a few months. So what, but, have been uh, some of your, what have been some of your habits that you felt? And, and also, like you worked with so many other small businesses. What are some of the habits that you felt really helped you be successful? and also help some of the clients that you were serving you saw be really successful? That is a good question for myself. I think, although I am not a preacher of hardworking, but there is one thing uh, these days with uh, meditation and, and everything getting trendy uh, that absolutely drives me crazy is that notion that the universe will somehow take care of it all for yourself. All you need to do is like open yourself up and sit still and it will happen. And that is the worst advice that somebody can be given. And people... Start somehow believing that all they need to do is to be good people and to pray and it will start happening. My uh, mentor, Jeff Walker, calls it uh, hope marketing and I totally agree with him. Uh, it does not work. You have to put your like hours into it. Uh, you have to work your ass off and that is what I'm really good at. If I uh, put my head to something, I will just 
keep doing it. And in addition to that, I uh, I'm not like dummy. So I <laughs> mean that I I do uh, analyze things and I learn lessons from what doesn't work and from what works. And I am more and more or less afraid of uh, making mistakes and looking stupid and more and more committed to really learning and, and uh, taking it as uh, like empowerment for, for the next step. And that uh, commitment and cons- consistency is something that for me has really worked. I probably have to say thank you to my family, although I have hated them for this uh, so many times. When I was a little girl, I, I always had just A's and A pluses, nothing else. And, and it was because, first of all, I had like good genes but but it was also because my parents my mother was a teacher of mathematics and my father was a physicist and both intelligence people and they never let me do less than I could and whatever uh, like grades I was bringing home if it was not a my uh, mother would uh, make me sit down and redo my work when I was very young just because she said you can do better and cried so many tears and I I hated them for that pressure but when I was 12 years old I didn't need any pressure anymore it had become uh, like my second Mm, nature I love that Uh, I love that good good better best never let it rest until your good becomes your better and your better becomes your best I love that which is a good saying but it also caused in fact amplified my uh, nature-given perfectionism. And that is one thing that is a curse for a business owner. Mm. It's just so difficult to overcome. And I have put so much effort and so many hours and uh, like internal tears, I would call them, because there are no actual tears coming out of my eyes. It's it's like my struggle with myself, like pushing Mm. myself over that freaking limit because... If you gave me uh, freedom, I would every single time find something that uh, I was not ready with yet. So I would not take that step. I would uh, give me uh, myself another day to to get better prepared. And on one hand, it is a good thing because nothing works if you are not prepared, if you have not put uh, your work in. On the other hand, it is a terrible thing because nothing gets done unless you start doing it. You can think whatever you want in your head and you can uh, build uh, pictures of perfect world and how you are succeeding. But uh, it has nothing to do with reality. Uh, To succeed in reality, you have to really get going. You have to start doing. You You have to. I always say movement over meditation. That's the one thing like a monk would never tell you. I always say that because you can meditate on, on it all day and you could sit there trying to perfect it for you. But until you put it in the hands of other people, you don't know what perfect is, you know, and but, and that's that, you know, like when a missile is fired, it spends 99% of its time course correcting. And so it's just better to get something that you, you're okay with and put it out there. And then just, you know, life is an iterative process the whole way through. It's all iterative. You want to do your best, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to be lazy. You know, you want to try to do something complete and whole, but like you said, it's almost an art of determining when that is because the difference between salad and garbage is timing. And if you are too focused on perfection, you might miss your moment. And and it's like that terrible, shitty, sloppy action you took is better than the action you didn't take. 
and that's like oh, catch twenty two. Yes, hallelujah. You are so right. I have uh, learned it the hard way, and I have done it to myself i really have forced myself into uh, that action believe me or not through meditation i started mm. meditating back in january and i can't describe how much calmer i have become since then and uh, how much less i take things personally that has always been my issue if I do something and the people don't like start cheering immediately i used mm. to perceive it as my failure which is absolutely wrong thing to do and you can't get anywhere if you do that you end up spending all your energy on pitying yourself rather than uh, trying to figure out how to correct as you said right you are correcting as you are going but getting back to your question that you asked i was kind of describing what has been helping me to succeed but when i look at my clients and what they are doing and why many of them are not doing as well as they could is lack of consistency. And there mm. is that one thing, you know, if we talk about uh, law in, of inertia, there are two moments that are the most difficult, right? Get something going and then uh, stop something from moving once mm. it's going. Mm. And what I observe with especially small business owners, and it's kind of embedded in the nature of owning a small business where you are also an operator and you have to, in most cases, do more than one thing yourself, and you end up multitasking and you're always busy and your head is spinning and uh, you know you have to do marketing. You say, oh my gosh, especially these days, what do I do about marketing? Everybody does Facebook. Why don't I do Facebook too? You put out one ad or boost one post. It doesn't work. You give it up. You grab the next thing. You keep running a different direction with something different in mind. And this is the way you will never, ever succeed because there is not enough time that's uh, dedicated to some act that is going uh, consistently the same direction. And the small business owners I see and work with all the time struggle with it a lot, mm. uh, largely because they do not have that uh, kind of privilege to give time to one thing. At least they think they don't. They feel like they have to grab it all at once. And as soon as you start grabbing it all at once, you start failing at everything mm -hmm. because you spend all your energy running around and doing things, but every single point of application of that energy gets too little of it. If you get what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. So, so you push a little bit here, a little bit there, instead of like, uh, it, it's like trying to move a bookshelf just by touching it all over the place yeah. by one or two fingers. Instead of like, using both of your hands it was like and now i'm pushing and, and it starts moving it's like i'm running you know oh, I, I, it's, it's not moving yep. so here we go right and uh, so i can't there's a lot of psychology and i really love that saying by tony robbins and not only by him that in uh, every success 80 percent of it is uh, psychology and only 20 percent is skill and the older I get, the more I believe it really is true. Psychology is uh, the king or the queen, and you really have to put work into it. You have to get your mental game in order, and you have to be able to work with your cockroaches in your head. There is a book I love in my home country. It's called Cockroaches in Your Head. 
<laughs> no, I, I think you're really right. I always relate it to those guys at the circus or whatever that spin plates on like broomsticks. You know, when you're a business owner, you get one plate spinning on a stick and then you get a second plate spinning on a stick, but the first plate's slowing down, so you got to go back and pick that one up so it doesn't crash and you get a third one going. And at some point you have too many going. And that's the situation a lot of business owners get themselves in. And they have to realize that you you have to be willing to ask for help. And you have to, when you look up the word entrepreneur in the dictionary, it says a person who organizes a business or businesses. What it doesn't say is the person who answers the phone, takes the orders, fulfills on the delivery, you know, cleans the toilet, does the bookkeeping. That's not what it says. It says a person who organizes a business or businesses. Mm -hmm. And so even Mm -hmm. like you're saying, these people aren't organized. Like they need to organize themselves better to make sure that they're they have constant focus and attention on the key leverage points of their business marketing being one you can have the world's greatest product in fact the business graveyard is littered with world-class products and services that nobody knew about and so you can take a mediocre or good product it doesn't have to even be excellent and the best in the industry and you can help more people than if you spend all your time trying to make the world's greatest mousetrap. I remember I was part of a mastermind group early on in my career, and there's we were in New Jersey, just across the bridge from Manhattan, and this guy was there, and he was a marriage counselor, and he was trying to, he was talking about how he needs to get all this extra certification. Like he was like he was investing in like another five years of education because then he would be enough. And then you know you're we saying right yeah. now like well how many clients do you have right now? And I forget what the numbers. I'm just gonna make them up. But I remember he was like like how full is your practice right now? How full could your practice be? And he had the capacity for something like another 50 couples that he could help in his calendar before he would be too full. And then they were like, okay, well, in an eight block radius of where we are, because we were surrounded by all these, you know, 20 story plus condos and apartment complexes. He was like, in, you know, in an eight block radius, how many couples are there in this vicinity that you could help with the knowledge you have right here, right now, right today? And he's like, oh, probably a few hundred, if not a thousand. And they're like, okay, okay, so you don't need more training and certification. You need better marketing because all these people out there need your help, but they don't even know you exist. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about there, right? Like you don't, you don't want to fall behind. You, you want to have quality products and services. That's really important. But you can, you can have the world's best product and start. No, nobody knows you do have that best product. Uh, you know, that's so spot on. Uh, there's another guy I, I admire, a uh, mentor of mine, ABC Secret Millionaire. Uh, he calls himself yes. because he was on the show, James yep. Malinchuk, yep. you know, yep. right? He keep saying that you are not in XYZ business, uh, you are in business of marketing your business. And that is so right. I can't express how right it is. And I am only getting it now because if you are a smart ass working for somebody else and you only have like certain tasks to perform and you start falling into an illusion that uh, you are the best performer of that particular task in the world, then being a business owner is totally different. And in that case, you, you really have to understand that there is marketing that is a necessity. And if you yeah. do not market, you don't get anywhere. Yeah. And unfortunately, I see, again, with small business owners, that vicious circle all the time where uh, 
I don't have any money, so I can't do marketing. So if you don't do marketing, you will never have any money. Mm -hmm. And it, it is the same with employing people. I don't have enough money to employ somebody. So I have to do it myself. So you have to break out of it at one point. Uh, I believe I have done it myself. Really kind of believe that you have to invest money and if you don't have your own money you have to borrow that money uh, to invest in development and something that will bring you more money yep. you shouldn't be spending money on stuff or like another bookshelf or another fancier computer or, or uh, flying better yeah. plane people or training education and exactly. marketing are something. good yeah, good, good investments. And, you know, you're not always going to be right 100% of the time. I mean, if you think about it, take, take a simple business like taxi service, right? Pre, like go back a few years to where there wasn't apps and all that. So you have a cab driver who has his own taxi and he's going to be a cab driver. And first he has to figure out how to get customers, how to get enough customers to keep his schedule full. And then when he's got a full schedule, he would go, okay, well, now he needs to, he wants to hire a driver. But this is a position a lot of business owners get in. If I hire a driver, I have to split my revenue with them. But the idea is you have to get another driver so that way you can focus on helping get more, like help them get a full calendar. Because now you build a team of people. Right. Like so you get paid in relationship to the size of the problems you solve. I saw this when I lived in Africa, when I was in Africa for I wasn't there long. I was there nine weeks, but I really saw that there were like four levels of society and the bottom level were people that were often uh, low skill, low education, drug dependent or, you know, really strong vices. They might be educated, but they were held down by the vices that they had. You know, they were the bottom at the bottom, the ones that had a really hard struggle. The next level up were people who had jobs and they were employees and they did better. But they, especially in Africa, where there's like 50,000 people in one job, there wasn't a lot of job security. And they were really at the, I don't want to say the beck and call, but they were at the mercy of their employer. They didn't have any leverage in their position. They, you know, like they were really, it, it was still a bit of a scarcity mentality and survival instinct because they were just getting, you know, they were getting wages. It wasn't really like, you know, there was just, the supply and demand wasn't in their favor. So that, you know, they did better. They could live. But, it, you know, like they, they lived to work, so to speak. And then the next level were people who were self-employed. So, like, guys there, they used to call them boda bodas, which is like just a dirt bike. And that, would be, that was their form of taxi, right? They couldn't really afford a whole mm -hmm. car. You would just take a dirt bike and you'd hop on the back and go. So it would be like boda boda drivers or someone that would have a, a, a convenience store or something. And they did better because there was no middleman taking any profit. But if they didn't get up and go to work that day, they didn't make any money. So they did better than the people who seemed to be just employed with a job, but there was still a lot of struggle there. And the people I noticed that did the best, and this was a big aha moment for me, were it was like the guy who owned and maintained a fleet of these dirt bikes and had the mechanics and also provided training to the drivers on how to do this better. The one who supported the community of the Boda Boda drivers. Because while, you know, the Boda Boda driver only makes money while he's out and driving, this guy owned the fleet of cars. Like, a Boda Boda driver might not have enough money to buy the car, the, the dirt bike himself anyways. But he could get training on how to do it, and he could have a fully serviced, maintained motorbike provided to him. Right. And that's what this guy did by providing the opportunity for other people. Right. And that's really what like by providing a unique opportunity for other people, he not only did the better, she not only did better, but they also had some more like uh, job stability because they would have to lose many drivers before their income would be drastically affected. 
So I think that's a really powerful way to think about it and look at it. And especially as a business owner, like if you think of those four levels, which one do you fit in? And if you're doing everything yourself, it's time to start supporting other people and building a team around you and not worrying about people stealing your idea. Instead, thinking about how to collaborate with people in a way that you all benefit and grow. And I think that's really important. That's actually something I'm focused on right now. How do I build a team so it's not just me being the guy that's riding the dirt bike every day trying to make the cash, but you know, I've got a team of people that are riding with us and I can support them and provide training for them and tools for them and empower them. And that's actually what you're doing now with your current business model, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually very much. Uh, yeah. I am still uh, ways away from that day when I can uh, relax and uh, be confident that my business is going to run without my involvement. But I am very aware that I have to get there. Uh, it, it just... Uh, always happens so with those one person initiated created and run uh, knowledge-based businesses it starts with knowledge in my head can you explain your business model a little bit like can you just share so you've created an alliance right you've got the what is it cryo pros united so the cryo alliance for cryotherapy professionals like can you talk about that what is the alliance what's its mission and what do you why would someone come to you how are you monetizing it can you just explain your business model there just the outset oh absolutely so uh the idea was there kind of dormant uh, for years but uh, i only came like to confidence that i can start pulling it off uh, last year when i started uh, cryopros united so just a little back uh, loop if you will when i started developing this business here there there was no business so i had basically no choice but to get involved in business development which mm-hmm. meant selling equipment working with people who wanted to become cryotherapy business owners and so on and, and that critical mass was building over years when we started it was zero uh, year later it was 50 now it is uh, 1500 uh, mm like uh, eight years uh, down the road. So uh, the growth rate was 15,000% from 2011 to 2017. But there was uh, that uh, time when uh, what I was having in my head already then was not feasible because there was no market for it. Mm. And then through working with those emerging cryotherapy entrepreneurs, more and more of them throughout these seven and a half, eight years, I have talked to, I don't know how many hundreds, but but many hundreds of, of people either willing to get into business and dropping the idea or getting into the business or already being in the business. But one thing I realized, I, I knew it already, but it started becoming more and more apparent that uh, it didn't matter how many businesses there were in the space already the questions the problems the struggles were always the same and because i was talking to those people every single day many many times a day i almost started feeling like you know guys i should be recording what i am telling you because i know for sure that 15 minutes later there is gonna be another guy and I will, I like a broken record i will start all over again and uh, i realized that you know it's like thousands of little islands people who 
are there, they coexist, uh, they maybe know, maybe don't know about each other's existence, but they do not talk and, and the knowledge does not transfer. So the market mm. is growing like crazy, but the knowledge does not transfer. And uh, because my background uh, is in uh, management, uh, training, education and consulting, and so I have spent many years doing that and I really loved doing it those uh, back home were my happier years professionally ever I, I knew I could do this and because I started the market uh, developments from scratch and I obtained all that uh, cryotherapy business specific knowledge that is very scarce in fact because there are so few cryotherapy businesses in the entire world still like 3,000 let's say, businesses all over the world, which is nothing, right? I started developing it from scratch and I made every single mistake myself and I, I learned it all. I have spent years researching and following what's going on in the market and reading. And so I had all that uh, stuff already uh, there. Why would I not uh, make it available to uh, people who are in the business or uh, willing to get into the business? And that is the idea behind the alliance. So alliance is basically, uh, if you look the word up, a group of people uh, united by a common cause or pursuing a common goal. And if we look at uh, cryotherapy business owners, although some of them don't think that way yet, but there's only one way to develop the industry to the next level. It is, uh, first of all, to be successful uh, one by one by one. And then uh, if you want to tackle some bigger issue like uh, insurance rates, for example, or, or uh, FDA approval, not approval, you can't do it being a small business owner in uh, Wisconsin or wherever ever with one or two employees ever you have to come together with people like yourself and and uh, here uh, is my idea and if you look at my uh, business name it's all there so alliance it's a group of people that has come together the international i know it, it needs to be international because uh, uh, although the united states is the largest market uh, there are 60 countries around the world now that uh, have cryotherapy businesses there and it's growing and, and there are uh, uh, some regions that are growing uh, uh, as fast or faster as uh, the United States. So, so I took that initiative. I, I wanted to bring it all together and I wanted to be that center, first of all, for those small business owners to go to and to get whatever resources they needed. Uh, those questions answered without spending week researching and uh, Googling things and then getting confused because you get uh, like conflicting messages from all, all possible corners. Uh -huh. But just... You know, go to one place, pick it up, take it, use it, and uh, all you need to do is basically uh, you need to concentrate on serving your clients better as a small business owner in whatever local place it is, and everything else is there readily available. So you don't have to multitask as much anymore. You don't have to spend so many hours doing things that you are not good at anyway. You just do what you were intended to do. You uh, organize your team and you uh, smile to your clients and you make your clients happy so that they come back and, and bring, your, uh, bring their friends uh, with them as well. Uh, so that is basically the idea and how I came up with, with the uh, 1 million people pain-free. It's again a little bit of a story, but still... 
I uh, already knew what I was wanted, uh, willing to do uh, for the cryo professionals. And uh, in preparation for my launch, which was supposed to be a membership program and is, is still is uh, supposed to be a membership program, that's my business model. After all, uh, I uh, started asking people questions. I kind of felt I knew what was in their minds and what struggles they had, but it's always a good idea to double check. So I did my uh, survey back in April of uh, cryolocations. I had some really great responses. Uh, response rate was uh, better than I expected even. And uh, I saw the same stuff all over again. Uh, capacity underutilization. This comes back to what you said uh, earlier mm-hmm. about that guy who, whom you asked how many couples or how many people in this neighborhood right. there are you could be serving. I can ask the same questions. You have your little cryotherapy location on this side of the road and you can help people with pain for example, and there is somebody living on the other side of that same street, literally uh, less than a mile from you or, or literally yards from you. And they have no idea that you are there or you can help because they have never heard of you. They have never heard of cryotherapy in the first place. And so uh, so, so looking at that uh, capacity under utilization and another thing that they, will all, they were all talking about, uh, their struggles with marketing. And their struggles with marketing are grounded in uh, like not having enough resources, therefore not having any results. And uh, at at the end of the day, some people end up doing no marketing whatsoever and just doing hope marketing, as we discussed before. And some people just keep wasting uh, their whatever uh, amount they have for marketing purposes per month, wherever Mm -hmm. they please, in whatever uh, way they they feel that particular moment. So uh, that was my kind of eye-opener, and I took it uh, close to my heart, what really people were not knowing how to do. So it's marketing and capacity, meaning more people through the door. And then uh, doing my research, I uh, do it all the time, like literally every single day. And uh, suddenly I started coming across those crazy, staggering pain statistics. Uh, Chronic pain is the biggest probably problem in the world and it's gonna be uh, growing even bigger there's 1.5 billion people in the world who live in chronic pain meaning more than one one out of five every day the same in the united states the same in australia wherever you go and if you live in chronic pain how does your life look like you can't sleep, you can play, you can't work normally, you may yep. be disabled, you can't play with your grandchildren, you can't walk your dog, you name it. So for this reason, knowing that cryotherapy is an excellent way to lessen pain because it fights inflammation, which is a cause of most pains. And here we have to talk, uh, that's a different topic again, how people are trained to think that all they need to do is to uh, go to a grocery store or pharmacy and buy a pill and take a pill and uh, fight the symptom. They have to fight the cause, not the symptom, because if they mask the symptoms for long enough, that cause becomes crazy. It becomes chronic. You can't deal with it anymore. And chronic pain is caused by chronic inflammation. And I knew 
from experience, from research uh, I had from everything, that cryotherapy is good for fighting chronic inflammation. Therefore, it's good for fighting chronic pain. And here I have two hands full of uh, information. Uh, one is my little cryotherapy business owner who uh, has underutilized capacity and not enough people through the door. And on the other side of the street, there is that person who can't sleep at night because they are in chronic pain all the time. And uh, the two have never met. Yep. So the one million pain free challenge came out of this. Why don't I just uh, push my membership uh, launch plan a little bit uh, back by a couple of months and start with something that uh, hits the nail on the head? I am doing two parts of the program. One is for individuals uh, suffering from pain. And it's very simple. It's just people have to sign up and they have uh, free information in their mailbox every single uh, week about uh, holistic ways to manage pain, to lessen pain naturally instead of uh, relying on pain pills. And uh, the other part of the program is for the business owners uh, where I... uh, have prepared uh, stuff for them to show how to market, show how to talk about it, to provide them with materials and information so that they can take it and uh, like ready and put into their own marketing communications and newsletters and talk to their local audiences that I probably can't reach. Anyway, so the two finally meet. You understand what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. So, so, so I'm uh, a little uh, crazy again, or I don't know, seventh time in my life, if, if, if not more, hoping that I can make it happen. Sometimes, like, uh, you have two huge animals and they are both stubborn and they are both standing still. <laughs> And no, no, I think it's a great... By color and great... the other by color, and you say, okay, guys, let's make friends now, right? <laughs> so, sometimes I, I, I feel like this, at least at the moment, because it's it's the very beginning. At the same time, as I mentioned earlier, at the beginning of our conversation, yes, I have put a lot of thought and a lot of preparation work into it, but I see so much result already from what I have not really started doing yet. My biggest eye-opener was I, I, I got a membership subscription uh, before I even told anybody I had membership. Mm-hmm. It was just put on my website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was sitting still there. And uh, here I am opening my uh, emails in the morning. I said, congratulations, you have a new member. It's like, what? I don't yeah. have a program in place yet. And here's a person who has subscribed for my membership. I... I reached out to that woman. I, I, I told her, I, I really appreciate uh, your commitment, uh, in this case also financial commitment, because she had made payment. Uh-huh. I said, but I, 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 yet. I, I have to give you your money back. She started laughing. She said, I, I've already used your blog post for, for my own marketing and yep. so on. Yep. I, I, just why you don't keep that, uh, it was $97, the mm-hmm. first month's mm-hmm. payment. And I will be your first customer when you are ready. It was two months ago, so uh, <laughs> now, now she, she is number one on my list already, participants to the project, along with many other people who have already uh, signed up, and, and, and it, it's all, I just so appreciated that eye-opening moment, and also that's like honesty and friendliness, it's all, okay, I have well, already used well, your stuff anyway, why don't you just keep my $97 for later? That's because you've done, you've given so much value. You've helped people so much. 
they just want to be involved and know what else you have to offer. And they trust you, and there's a ton of value in what you're doing for them. And I just love the model. So you're creating an association where you've got a goal to achieve this goal for humanity. This goal for humanity will also translate into sales for them. You intimately know their businesses. So you can speak to them from their perspective point of view. I love it. And then and then you're monetizing with a membership site afterwards, which is now a way for people to cooperate. Because they're so geographically located, they're not really competitors. And so you've created a forum where they can share ideas and that and kind of have a, that, that community governed. So that way, if anyone starts being malicious they can be removed and i think it's a huge value add because it's a really lonely thing being a business owner so now andrew you've given so much in this call and i love it so much and the stories you've told if people want to get involved how do they reach out to you what's your website url it is as you mentioned dba or a short name for my long the international cryotherapy uh, alliance of cryotherapy professionals is cryopros united so it's uh, cryoprosunited.com the uh, business is oriented towards cryotherapy business owners so uh, if you are in wellness business you don't offer cryotherapy yet you probably can find something useful there if you are not that's that's just my niche. I am talking to my crowds, yep. to my people. But uh, that's also where you can find more information about the one million people pain-free challenge. There yep. is a, a separate uh, page about the project, and and also uh, two different uh, types of registration available. One is for individuals. So if somebody is in pain and interested in in learning more about holistic ways of managing pain, then uh, through that page, there is a possibility to register, and everything. In, uh, within this project, everything is uh, free. I'm not charging anything from anybody except for physical stuff. From right, uh, right, right. like uh, point of sale marketing materials is not free because it, it is not free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the first place, <laughs> I have to uh, manufacture them and, and to physically deliver them. So uh, for, yep. for that, you have to pay. But uh, participation to the project, which is a 15-month uh, project, uh, is completely free. And as an individual, you chime in, you uh, start getting materials, you start working on your own health. And what is very important uh, to me in this uh, project is that people share their stories, mm. their failures uh, that may be more difficult to get because people don't like talking about their failures but definitely success stories because I know there are thousands and thousands of them I have personally seen people who uh, were not able to walk and they were told they will never be walking again and then they uh, are brought to a cryotherapy location and they do walk again and not only they walk they also play golf mm. uh, it's, it's amazing and uh, like the older I get, the more important it becomes to me to see that I can do something for people, something mm. more than just sell them a piece mm. of whatever. I don't okay. want to use bad, bad words. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's all fine. So that's C R Y O P R O S United. C R Y O Pros United dot com. Go check that out. Get in touch with Antra. Antra, thank you so much. Your story is is really inspiring. Um, just the challenges you've overcome and the ways you're helping other people. I really want to be able to follow this and see how things turn out. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today. I really appreciate you giving so much and just being so transparent. And again, for anyone that wants more information to follow it or just watch and see how she's engaging with her community and, and really creating a positive movement in her world and monetizing it as well, go check out cryoprosunited.com. Antra, thank you again so much. You are valued and appreciated.
Thank you, Daryl. I appreciate you so much and uh, value your time. And thanks, one again. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.